Hello, and welcome to the Harvest Podcast brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. Amen, amen, and a.
Sister Bethany for her wonderful rendition of Silent Night. Sleep in heavenly peace. Good morning, family. I am so glad to be with you here today on this Sunday before Christmas. Our word from today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 7 through 12. Matthew 2, verses 7 through 12. And I will be reading from the Good News Translation, and it reads as follows. So Herod called the visitors from the east to a secret meeting and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem with these instructions, go and make a careful search for the child. And when you find him, let me know so that I too may go and worship him. So, and so they left and on their way, they saw the same star they had seen in the east. When they saw it, how happy they were, what joy was theirs. It was ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They went into the house and when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshiped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and presented them to him. Then they returned to their country by another road since God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Verse 12, then they returned to their country by another road since God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. For the time that I have allotted to me, I wanna come from the subject, a different way with Jesus. A different way with Jesus. Let us pray. To the God of my ancestors, to the God of Mary, to the God of Simeon, James, Bernard, and Shirley, we say thank you. God, it's preaching time. Help your servant, uplift your servant, encourage your servant so that your name will be glorified, the people will be edified, and the enemy will be terrified. We ask all this in your awesome power through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and in that name above every name, that precious name of Jesus, we say amen. Amen and amen. For many of us, this season is as the song says, the most wonderful time of the year. The Christmas lights, the candy canes, the smiles on children's faces excited about seeing good old Saint Nick. This is a time of family, and togetherness. The warmth that comes from the Christmas season, it is truly remarkable. We all come together, whether we're religious or not, to recognize the preciousness that comes with the spirit of this holiday and the holiday season. To be perfectly honest, this has been one of my most cherished and favorite seasons since I was a kid. 
I remember waking up early in the morning with excitement of all the amazing gifts that I would get. And now that I am older, I still wake up with that excitement. But now it is just being around my family in this time of the year. And even now, I look forward to watching my daughter attempt to open up gifts and being around family for the very first time. But as we all know, these past few holiday seasons have been different. With the ups and downs that came with the COVID pandemic, an increase in racial, gender, and sexual orientation discrimination, just to name a few, and all the while having to process this and more in the discomforts of our own home has been insightful, but also painful. The one sense of community that we had to process all of this the local body of believers has become a proponent of a lot of the problems going on in our country and in our world. If being away from the building these four years has shown us anything, is that the church is in need of a new direction. As we approach Christmas, the church needs to face the reality that we cannot do church the same way again. The reality is, in our pandemic processing, many of us saw those same issues mentioned at the beginning, living alive and well, not just in our world, but in many of our churches. We need to look at how we consistently been more exclusive than inclusive, how we have placed temporary feelings of power, prestige over people, and money over people. We realize many churches have become the gatekeepers of heaven and hell, places that none of us have seen nor have jurisdiction over. Churches have created spiritual hierarchies that will categorize us as good and upright, righteous children of God against those in poverty, those who are single parents, those who are in the Q plus community and families of individuals with special needs. The church has done an amazing job at cutting people out of community that is not even theirs to cut people out of. The church, y'all, is in dire need of direction. And thankfully, the wise men help us get to the destination. Our text today tells us that the wise men, wherever they come from, see this star, what signals the coming of a promised king. They go to Bethlehem and search for this young child, and then they are summoned secretly by Herod, who wishes to kill the infant king of the Jews. He tells them, go and find him, and when you do, come back to me so that I can worship him also. After Herod's unnoticed deception, they follow the star that got them to Jerusalem and find Jesus with his mother laying in a manger. Their reaction is immediate. They bow down and pay homage to him with gifts and with their worship. They are transformed by the experience that they've had with this little child, not knowing what this child would do, but knowing that this child will do something transformative in this world. 
As they're on their way back, though, they also experience a warning in a dream to not go the same way that they came, but to go another way. And God uses these individuals who, as far as we know, were not Jewish, but knew of Jewish texts to bring the world to Jesus. This divine interruption is what the church so desperately needs if we wish to continue to make an impact in this pluralist world. We cannot allow the exclusive mindset that has seeped into our sanctuaries to continue any longer. It is clear the church has lost its way. But the good news is the text tells us that all we need is a transformation that comes with an encounter with Jesus. Let me say that one more time. The good news is that all we need is transformation that comes from an encounter with Jesus. I don't know about you, y'all, but the church is in dire need of an encounter with Jesus. So the question is, if this encounter is going to change the impact of the church, what happens when the church encounters Jesus? I know it sounds weird for us to say, but the reality is, y'all, that some churches have encountered Christianity, but other churches have not encountered Jesus. We know what happens when we have an individual encounter with Jesus. We know what happens when we come face to face with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We know what happens when we have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all about our troubles. But what happens when the community of believers encounters the Son of God? Well, for one, we recognize who he is. We see in verse 11, the wise men approach Jesus and his mother Mary. When they approach him, they bow down in reverent respect for who he is. They know this isn't an ordinary child. No, this child is a king. And as such, they treat him as king, bowing down in reverence in his presence. Herod wanted to kill Jesus, but these men came into the space and honored the royalty of Jesus. How many of us out here are honoring the royalty of Jesus, but some of us are out here trying to kill Jesus? But not only did they bow down, they also presented gifts. These gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh are all expensive, exotic, extravagant gifts. While frankincense and myrrh are renewable resources, these spices are only located in specific places, making them a scarcity in that time. And well, gold is just gold. They do all of this to Jesus because you must bring gifts to a king. To come empty-handed in front of royalty would be considered an insult to the royal court and to the king. Not only that, but to bring the wrong gift to the king could also be an insult. Each of these gifts had value in their own way, and they gave it to Jesus. They gave it to him because they recognized who Jesus is and what his birth meant into this world. A new king has arrived, so they have to act accordingly. So the question is, does the church recognize Jesus 
when we see him? Do, does the church recognize him in the least of these who are crying out to the Lord? Do we recognize him in the parentless child seeking love and guidance from one place when they should get it? The church needs to shake itself from its short-term memory loss. And remember this child we call Jesus. When we remember that we can bring our own gifts to him that have caused us burden in our lives. You know, those those gifts such as being the gatekeepers, those gifts of discrimination, those gifts of stress, anxiety, misguided righteousness that we may hold. When we present these gifts to Jesus, we gain the strength because our load is lifted. I'd imagine gold is heavy. I'd imagine carrying all of that with them on that long track is heavy. But when they drop their gifts to Jesus, their load got lighter. It reminds me of when I, I, I go and I do laundry at my house. My wife is there, so she's looking at me crazy because she knows you don't do no laundry half the time. But when we carry the baskets up and down the stairs, we struggle to keep going because we're carrying all these baskets up and down the stairs. But then there's a relief that comes with letting go. And then when we let go, we get the second one to go back down and get the other baskets. Once we drop our gifts to Jesus, y'all, the church can enjoy the relief of letting go and transforming this world. Not only does this recognition happen when we encounter Jesus, but the church also has to recognize what he has done. Again, in verse 11, we see Jesus, not only the wise men coming to him, but they are also in the presence of his mother. The text says when they arrived, they enter into the house. They saw Jesus and his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. But in a way, they also paid homage to Mary for bringing forth this child. They did all the things that they did for Jesus in the presence of Mary as well. Well, what are you saying, Reverend? Well, what I'm saying is Jesus brings people together. Because if it had not been for Jesus' birth, the wise men would have still been wherever they were, which some believe to be Persia. And Mary would have just been an ordinary woman in an ordinary marriage with Joseph. However, when Jesus interrupts their ordinary lives, this causes the wise men to leave their posts and to go meet him. It causes Mary to bring forth the Son of God. It results in Mary being remembered for all times as the mother of God's son. How often, y'all, do we neglect those that have brought us together? If the point, if the whole point of encountering Jesus is bringing people together, why is that the church is so quick to exclude the people that Jesus has brought to them? If you notice, the text doesn't tell us whether or not the Jewish, the wise men adhere to Jewish tradition, or is it assumed that they are priests of Zoroastrianism, which is an ancient religion, or they were magicians, or they were astrologers. While we do not know exactly what they were, scholarly consistency indicates they were more than likely not Jewish. But, and you see that in the text because the phrase that they use at the beginning of this chapter is the king of the Jews. And the king of the Jews is a Gentile term. Why would Jews call another Jew the king of the Jews? 
In addition, the gifts that they offer Jesus are considered the wealth of the Gentiles in Isaiah 65 through 6. Based on that, one can assume that these travelers were not Jewish, but heard about the king and came to recognize and honor this child. Think about it, y'all. Non-Jews, Gentiles, coming to worship a Jewish king. What is that saying about how we engage the unchurched, the overchurched, the underchurched, and even the anti-church? Because regardless of how they identify, Jesus is inviting them into the house because even some of them have recognized who he is. The fact of the matter is, while they have recognized who he is, the church still struggles to recognize who Jesus is. He brings people in who we may otherwise ban from churches. Jesus brings people in who may have no other connection to us in churches because we got to realize, y'all, that when Jesus brings people in, they get to stay. When Jesus brings people in, they can't get put out. When Jesus brings people in, they are welcomed. So why is it that the church struggles sometimes to bring people in that Jesus has called to be brought in to his house? His house. His house, his people, Jesus invites them, and yet the church continually, each and every day, excludes these people from coming into the loving arms of God. Mm. He brings in people who may otherwise be banned by the church. Jesus brings in people who have no other connection to the faith other than that they know him. Just like the wise men who had no connection to the Jewish faith, but they knew by the signs in the sky. Mm. I believe the word says signs and wonders. They look at the signs in the sky that God is doing something new in this world. The only example that I can give that's worth giving is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know the story, but just in case you don't know, there was a man who was going somewhere and he got robbed and beat and stripped of his clothes. And then he encountered two people of the, the religious establishment, a priest and a Levite. And both of them were so focused and preoccupied with their dogmatic traditions that they left him to die. And his only saving grace was a Samaritan man for whom the Jews hated who helped him and helped the man get to where he needed to get to. Not only did he do that, he poured money up and out of himself to ensure that this man had a place to stay. Jesus has a way with bringing people together with whom the church has deemed unclean. We tend to forget that at one point, we were the ones that were not invited, excluded, unwanted by the world. And yet we do the same thing to the people that Jesus is calling into calling to us. Encountering Jesus reminds us that he brings everyone together. If we just open the space and allow God to do what God does, we can be transformed by this encounter and do what Jesus did. Bring people in. It doesn't matter that the wise men weren't Jewish or Christian. They just knew the sign was significant enough for them to move. 
they needed to they need to see the significance of the sign that God had given them. The tide is changing and the way of ministry is shifting. We are seeing the harm that the church has caused so many. So we need to recognize the power that of what Jesus does when he brings everyone together. The church needs to ask a serious question in 2023. Are we going to come to Jesus as the wise men? Or are we going to come to Jesus as Herod? Are we going to come to Jesus in adoration? Or are we coming to Jesus to kill him? Are we bringing the gifts? Or are we bringing destruction? Jesus is bringing us all together, y'all. But it is up to the church to be wise and do the same. We need to recognize, y'all, that Jesus is bringing everyone together we recognize who he is we recognize what he brings and once we do that y'all we can recognize a prophetic redirection mm. in verse 12 the wise men are warned in a dream not to go back to Herod but to return home on a different route now we don't know if they understood why this occurred. All we know is the dream happened and they followed suit. While we don't know this for certain, they may have taken part of their journey on their way to Bethlehem on a known route called the Royal Road. It is an ancient superhighway reorganized and rebuilt by the Persian king Darius the Great of the first Persian Empire in the 5th century BCE or before Common Era. Since this was this was in northern Israel. There's another part of the journey that they may have taken on another route called the King's Highway. Both routes were used for merchants and perhaps also for military movements. But at any rate, these were the two most common routes at that time. But these individuals were warned about a commonly used route and decided to go a different way. Let me say that one more time for those that missed it. The dream warned them about using the route that everyone uses and, this, and told them to go a different way. This way that what they were told to go to may have been dangerous, may have been uncomfortable, may have even been burdensome, but the warning of the dream was so powerful, so potent that they rather trust God in the unfamiliar than deal with the danger dangers of the familiar. For us to be transformed by our encounter with Jesus, we must recognize that the road ahead will be different and it's not quite like the ones that we have been used to. But as we approach Christmas and prepare for our transition into 2023, the church has to recognize that the way in which we have done church before, the usual road can't be done the same way when we move forward. It has to be different. The warnings have been clear. We've seen the scandals in the church. We've seen the arrests that have happened in the church. We've seen the abuse that has gone into the church. We have seen the mismanagement of funds in the church. We have seen the assaults in the church. And we cannot move forward in this season the way that we have been moving. For us to encounter Jesus, we must go the way less traveled. We must go the way less moved. We must go the way that no one else wants to go and we must muster up the courage to move in spaces that the church doesn't want to be caught in when we think of prophets and when we think of the prophetic as people and events it sheds light on future events and while that is true in some sense 
that is not the total case of the prophet and the prophetic. Prophets and prophetics and the prophetic are sent by God to make straight the crooked path. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. Prophets and the prophetic are sent by God to make the straight, the crooked path. It brings correction. It brings a message of destruction, but it also brings a message of deliverance. The prophetic redirection is for us to recognize that the path of which the church has taken needs to be changed. This is God telling us, no, commanding us, no, giving us a warning that the way that we have been going isn't beneficial for the kingdom. This new path that we must embark on will not be comfortable. This new path that we must embark on will not be easy, but we know for a fact that it is the path of the divine. If we decide to continue down the path that of Herod, though, we end up like the children of Israel, stuck in the wilderness for much longer than we need to be. Because, you know, Israel was stuck because they failed to adhere to God's commandment. So what is God commanding us in this season to do? Three things, to love God, to love people, and to love yourself. Let me say it one more time. God is calling us to love God, to love people, and to love ourselves. And we cannot fully do any one without the other. We cannot do that if we're on the same path of destruction that the church has been on. And Paul said it best, whatever you're doing, y'all, do it in love. If love is not in it, I don't want to be in it. And just like the wise men, y'all, we need to adhere to the prophetic redirection. The way that we've typically done ministry was good for a while, but now we're dealing with the effects of how it has cultivated a harmful environment in many of our churches. In order for us to be the community that God has called us to be, we must pivot, reorient, and shift. But when we, we, when we encounter Jesus, y'all, we literally cannot leave the same way we came when we take the prophetic redirection we are aligning ourselves to the divine path that God has called us to we can't go back to the place of persecution no we must take another route just like the wise men the church are in is in a dire need of an encounter with Jesus we need to be transformed but with that encounter with Jesus because when we encounter Jesus the church will see the realities that we only saw in dreams dreams of racial justice will become a reality dreams of gender equality and exclusivity will be a reality once the church encounters Jesus this dream prompted the wise men to recognize that familiar places will bring about familiar outcomes and they must go home to another route and encountering Jesus y'all will lead the church to see that it cannot go back to the familiar even in the newness of the redirection is more difficult than the staleness of what's familiar the way the way we used to do it is played out ineffective and damaging the world and the church but this prophetic redirection will put us on the path back home to where we belong and when we get back home y'all we need to remember that home is where evil is seamlessly running rampant in our streets when we get back home we need to realize that home is where politicians care more about people's votes than their lives 
Home is where Eric Garner, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and Sandra Bland lost their lives at the hands of those charged to protect us. Home is where politicians care more about their seats than their constituents. Home is where systems care more about the status quo than true change. But while this is home, I am so glad that in this Christian season, in this Christmas season, that the church can encounter Jesus, recognize that he is the answer to life's problems, the remedy to our oppression. I am so glad that he brings prophetic shifts in the life of the church and helps us see that we can't put new wine in old wine skins, that we cannot keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Encountering Jesus will help us see that while the way may be different, the goal is still the same, to speak truth, to speak love, to speak power, to speak justice into this world, God. Because when we encounter Jesus, things gotta change. When we encounter Jesus, things gotta shift. When things encounter Jesus, things gotta shift. When sickness encounter Jesus, they gotta break. When people encounter Jesus, they get transformed. Because I don't know about you, y'all, but in this Christmas season, all the church needs is an encounter with Jesus. All the world needs is an encounter with Jesus. Do you want to see him? 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 Keep going. Keep pressing on and encounter Jesus. We can't do the same things we used to do, y'all. Amen, amen. We can't do the things we used to do, y'all. It is requiring an encounter with Jesus. Amen and amen. Some of you here have been in church your entire life. You were baptized three times. You were super Christian. But you have yet to encounter Jesus. It's one thing to be a Christian. It's another thing to encounter Jesus. I am not offering religion to you. No, I am offering an encounter with Jesus. If this is you, say this simple prayer with me. God, I want to encounter your son. I want to encounter eternity compressed in a seven pound eight ounce baby thank you God Jesus come into my life I need you I need to have an encounter with you amen and amen and amen family the world the angels the entirety of the Christian faith the entirety of those who have encountered Jesus are rejoicing right now. Not because a hundred have said yes to God, not because 50 have said yes to God, not because 20 have said yes to God, not because 10 have said yes to God, but just one has said yes to encountering Jesus. Now that you've had to encounter your encounter, you need to join with a community of believers who love God, 
love people and love themselves. And if you're looking and you don't know where else to look, I'm gonna tell you right now, you can stop right here. The field will accept you in loving arms. I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, well, Pastor C, I'm not in Charlotte, I'm not in North Carolina, I'm not even in the United States. I got great news for you. The field is not confined by the four walls of the church. The greatest thing we have done, we have abolished. Abolished the captivity of the four walls. So many churches use their building as a prison. No, we are out and about in the community. So if this is you, it's simple. Feel me, CLT. Someone will come and love on you and give you the encounter with God that you are so desperately in need. If you need prayer, we have some of the most powerful prayer warriors in this church who will pray down heaven just for you. If this is you, now is your time. Amen. For your glory, God, we will do anything. Lord, if I find favor in your sight, Lord, please my heart's cry. We're desperately Just to see you, to behold you as you are, to behold you as my King. For your glory, for your glory, I will do anything. I will do
in our encounter so that when we go back home, we can tell people the significance behind the star that we saw eternity compressed. listening to the harvest podcast we pray that the message uplifted encouraged and challenged you as you continue to walk with god if you're looking for a church home the field is not confined by the four walls of the church if you wish to become a partner in ministry but more importantly a member of this global family simply click the link in the channel page